Welcome to the Husky Hockey Podcast, your number one resource. To, I, well, well, another goal here scored actually for, for St. Cloud State. Uh, Pearson is just uh, letting everything through, in, including when they're on the bus. So, uh, Weldy here, uh, Travis sitting with Andrew. Talking all things Husky hockey. Oh, what? Not another goal. There, there's, there's, there's another Woo! one. Woo! <laughs> just Chuck's voice has to be just absolutely gone at this point because that's a lot of wooing. Um, it's a good thing. Yeah. So. He is retiring at the end of the year, so he's got to get all of them out, out of his system. And they, they sure helped him this weekend. I, I'm surprised he's not actually going to announce that he's retiring sooner because of all the fatigue yeah. from the woos from this series yeah i wasn't in the building i wonder if that 11th woo on friday did that have the same kind of punch to it as it normally does or was he kind of phoning it in (laughs) i hope it didn't i hope it was just woo (laughs) just 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 an apathetic bored disinterested woo yeah it's a fine line you don't want to rub it in too much but miami kind of deserved it the weekend Yeah, we'll 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 definitely get into that. Uh so outscored the Red Hawks nineteen to one on on the weekend series. How upset are you that they didn't get to twenty? I w- I was rooting for it. I was a little bit bummed that it didn't happen. Or like double digits each day, you know, or each each game. Eight to nothing. Come on, you can do better. Than yeah. That. yeah, yeah. I'm exactly. thinking about uh, canceling the NCHC TV package and burning my jerseys because they didn't get 20 it's one of our questions so we might as well move it up to the front six goals is wings what should double digits be my original was like okay well uh, free gary special i think that would kind of be the be the best uh or free vals but you're not a vals guy so you can't we can't talk about that on this podcast anymore god you gotta you gotta throw this one out earlier for me to to think there's got to be something with 10 that has some St. Cloud significance. I'm struggling to come up with anything right now, but if you put a pin in that, I can come back with something. Because, yeah, I mean, this year, twice. Ted Jello shots at rum runners. There you go. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but, th- I mean, this year, that, that... Rest in peace to rum runners. Wouldn't be that odd of a... You know, that rare of a promotion. They've surpassed 10 goals twice now this year in a game. So, yeah, and it's got to be a bigger like you said the gary special it's can't not, not even six wings i don't think that's enough 10 goals is something to really celebrate so i think the the promotion should be a, a bigger haul on whatever you're getting so i think they should look into this though the way that this offense is clicking utter domination doesn't begin to describe it annihilation i mean it was and and not only that it I thought, you know, Jim Rich and Pat, I think, you know, obviously God bless them or whatnot, but wow, did they make it sound like, oh, it's not all Pearson's fault. He's not getting a lot of help and agreed. Yeah, he didn't get a lot of help, but God, Pearson let in some bad goals too. Four or five of them. I mean, least. it was just bad play all around. Yeah, and no offensive push. I mean, even we've talked about several times this year, Huskies have sort of entered the third period with a giant lead at home. Did that basically the mm-hmm. whole Wisconsin series, that first Omaha game, St. Thomas, obviously. We kind of, you know, take the foot off the gas a little bit in that third period. And a lot of times in those situations, in any at any level, 
team that's up with a giant lead is going to play back. They're not going to force the issue. Don't want to risk any injuries in a blowout game, anything like that. A lot of times that team that's behind is going to at least outshoot the team for that third period. Not the case this weekend. I think it was 16 to one shots on Saturday night in the third period alone. And basically the same thing. 14 to one. Yeah. And Friday was basically the same thing. They, I think Miami got 14 shots in the whole game each night. And I think on Saturday, I think I counted two grade A ish opportunities the entire game. From an offensive standpoint, they didn't have it going. Their defense was absolutely awful. Said Pearson, like I said, four or five of the goals. That second goal for Mietnan on Saturday, it's kind of a low wrister. I mean, that's a goal that any goalie needs to save. I was surprised that they let him out, that he wasn't pulled throughout the weekend. Not so much that it was his fault, like you said, but just to save the guy's pride a little bit. I was doing a little bit of poking around. I think their backup might have been injured. Yeah. Their second stringer. So it was either between putting a third stringer in or leaving Pearson out or Pearson in the game. They must have, have zero confidence in third string goalie. Same time, I mean, what you at least want to find out what you have and said at the same time, keep Pearson's head above water, not just give him a demoralizing weekend where he gives up 19 goals. His stats are going to suck, you know be hard for him to pull out of his out of bad stats for us to do with this sort of weekend and i don't know if you know being on the road and i you know they played duluth last weekend and sometimes when you go on the road you only bring two goalies so i think that could have been the case where you had your backup but he was injured so it was only like in dire circumstances, which, I mean, getting lit up for 19 goals, you might consider dire anyway. I think that's kind of what kept him from getting pulled. That's possible. And I still brought up the fact that play six on five the rest of the game, he probably at least would have controlled the puck a little bit. And that would have been the only thing I was thinking that the Huskies basically scored a goal in every situation except empty net. So that would have been, we would have been able to scratch off that one off the bingo card because they had obviously even strength goal, power play goal, shorthanded goal, both four on five and three on five, which I've never seen a, a, a goal. I've two, never two men behind. I, uh, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain and I think it's happened against the Huskies once, but I couldn't remember a time. And I think it was back in like the mid early to mid, like in that lull dull years. I, th- I think something like that happened. They said that the but, last time that they had scored a three on five goal was in oh one. So it's happened before, before the time that I was actively following the Huskies. Uh, and they also got a penalty shot goal from uh, Brodzinski on, on Saturday. Uh, so pretty much any situation, I guess they didn't get to have a two-man advantage power play goal. Got plenty of, and they had three shorties total on the weekend. And they were perfect on their penalty kill as well. So uh, that was impressive. So they basically got every sort of possible goal type of goal that they could have gotten throughout the weekend spread the offense around you know Okabe was the only guy to score more than one goal on Friday and Mietnan had two on Saturday did anybody else I mean Radinsky had at least the penalty shot I think he had another one so I mean they really spread the offense Fitzgerald had two he had two so I mean you had some guys with multiple goals but I think it was only Luke and Somebody else on Friday that didn't have points, and there couldn't have been too many guys that were shut out uh, on the score sheet on Saturday either. Rising that Herenak didn't get a point or two based on how much the offense was clicking, and Nick Perbix 
six points on Friday, which I saw was a conference record for most points in a game. Added a couple of more points on Saturday. And yeah, I mean, from the Husky standpoint, they look great. It just, and you had texted me earlier, is, is Miami, uh, is this St. Thomas level? I mean, that's maybe what I take away most from this weekend. It's just how pathetic Miami was. I mean, this was not a competitive performance at all. And the fact that they stayed in Minnesota the whole week, according to the broadcasters, they worked out practice at the Herb the bulk of the week once they came down from Duluth. And you know, whoever want to makes, makes uh, the excuse of the Olympic ice. Well, I mean, Miami skated on it all week. Uh, didn't look like that really helped them very much. Uh, I don't know if it's just, you know, a long road trip and it's a couple of weeks and terrible cold weather and they just kind of restless to get home or, or what. But that was not a performance that inspiring of a sort of attempt to play. Uh, I just, I'm shocked that Duluth dropped points to him last week. Yeah, that's boggles my mind. So there's nothing redeeming about Miami. I mean, I can't even yeah. name a player that even remotely stood out. Yeah, I mean, that, that Savage, Red Savage, our favorite uh, star of the under ears. He's, you know, he, he, made the, uh, he made the World Junior roster. And, you know, so I've heard some good things about him and just the name sticks out. But uh, he didn't do. Well, it. He was he, he was, was he was wonderful in the Princess Bride. There you go. Inconceivable. Um, and he like he ended up like uh, directing a bunch of Sunny episodes. He's like a TV director now. Oh yeah, he had a decent he's done career for that slime ball character too. Like he had one episode of Boy Meets World, um, where he was a teacher at Penbrook and. He was inappropriate to Topanga, and there was that whole dynamic, and they tackled that in Boy Meets World. And oh man, he he was creepy in that. He was in a Hallmark movie with DJ Tanner, Candace Cameron Bure. Oh yeah, that was he was a sleazeball in that too. Like, and yeah, he does a lot of TV TV commercials as well. He does um, TV episodes and and whatnot. And every once in a while, he'll have a show that lasts for five or six episodes that gets canceled. What was the one he had? It was one with like Rob Lowe. What's the one with Rob Lowe? Well, I mean, as I mean, he was that's good for him, but he wasn't. He didn't really stand out very well on the on the ice sheet the weekend. The grinder. That's what it was called. So, so yeah, I was kind of looking forward to seeing him or expecting that he would maybe look like a player that belongs on a World Junior roster. Uh, I, I he was fairly invisible uh, in on the weekend, so. Maybe it's just an off weekend. I mean, they've been very bad this year. Four wins and the best of those wins against Omaha. The other three wins against, you know, bottom 10, you know, the 10 worst teams in pairwise. And they haven't been losing like this. I mean, they went out to Denver and got smoked two nights, but I mean, not to these kind of lopsided scores. But I mean, they, they were fairly competitive against Western, fairly competitive against uh, North Dakota in their losses to them. And obviously, you know, took uh, a shootout win at Duluth last weekend. So they haven't been blown out of the building every single game, but I certainly didn't expect this performance. You can call it that very shocking. And uh, my mouth was kind of just wide open the whole weekend. How (laughs) I think once, I think it was the fourth goal on Friday, you know, third, I think it was a fourth, maybe the fifth. It was a Perbix's goal. Where uh, 
the fourth goal. Two guys for Miami collide into each other behind the net. And Perbix just kind of looks up and he's like, I can just walk right in front of the net. You can see like three, the other three guys like rushing towards the net too late as Perbix just kind of walks out in front and picks his corner. And, All right, I guess you're going to let me score here. It was, I think, at that point that I realized, yeah, this is this is uh, going to be a, a breeze of a weekend. Yeah, I think I think I tweeted out uh, yakety sacks after. Yeah, that's fair. after after that goal. It, it was just a comedy at that point. Um, you know, one thing that I really stood out to me is that you know we've kind of seen this a little bit from Saint Cloud, where they come out, they really pressure, you know, dominate one game, and then they just kind of let the second game go with them. Obviously, the easy one is the North Dakota series, up eight to one. They left their foot off the gas. They lost five to three. Yep. Uh, but also Omaha, Omaha up five to one, um, and then we dropped that one in overtime where we left points on the board there. After you know, in the post game conference too, when Brett Larson was talking, how they know we know what we have to do, and you know that's that's great. Let's enjoy it for about you know three or four minutes, but you got to get back to it. I'm just happy that there wasn't some kind of a letdown or a closer game, and they were still able to dominate. So I don't think it's going to go over their or go to their head or whatnot because they know that they've got to make huge points here this weekend up at North Dakota. Right. I was thinking, too, before we get into the North Dakota preview, uh, I was thinking it's a shame. I mean, so you had two weeks off here, two unplanned weeks off, COVID cancellations. That, and maybe that played a bit of a factor in how well they played because they were so fresh. Who knows? It's either the rest or the rust. It's a built-in excuse either way. I just think it's a shame that that Denver series, that they couldn't play it last weekend. Uh, or at least that they're going to play Denver once Pinchus and uh, Perfects are gone um, for the Olympics. Because uh, I just, it would be a great game for both teams. And it's nice to see. It would be it would be great to see the Huskies play them at full strength. I, it's going to be a harder series for them without those two players, obviously. And you could see you can see another weekend where Benches, his presence is uh, is definitely felt. The team was a much better team with him in the lineup, and so it just being a little bit of regret that uh, we knew about it now. It's, but uh, but not only yeah. the Denver series, but the Duluth series as well. I mean, seeing how. Seeing how Duluth couldn't handle uh, Miami both nights, and seeing how easily the Huskies handled them to be get a couple of wins against the Bulldogs earlier this month. So, yeah, we gotta still sort of gotta make up those games, and it'll be a busy. Plus, I think this next couple of weeks, like it'll gets a lot tougher. Got to go to D- Dakota and Denver back to back, and then Western at home. Can't forget about them after they swept North Dakota this weekend. That's gonna be a three week gauntlet there. Who knows if the some of those Duluth teams, one or two of them, are going to get made up in, in that time frame as well. So you're heading into the toughest part of the schedule. It's nice to get these wins uh, behind us and take care of business against a bad team. Uh, but uh, you got to step it up, and you can't can't get that big head, as you said, because now schedule is the toughest uh, of the regular season stretch, uh, as we're entering it right now. Yeah, a, a Denver-St. Cloud game with both teams at full strength is just going to be Oh, uh, it, it's going to be just a, a heck of a game. And I, I hope that's, you know, a March matchup. I think that would be just an absolutely wonderful March matchup. Um, and we'll we'll see if that is. Um, 
you know, where if the cards, you know, kind of lay down there in, in, in the future, you know, Denver stack in one line, you know, they've got the Savoy, Brink, and Gutman line, and, you know, they're not taking the same type of approach that St. Cloud State is, where our depth is, you know. If, if I were to tell you, name a Husky player who scored five points over the weekend, you know, who what forward would you say scored five points over the weekend? I've got to think about that because obviously Perbrix did, but he's a defenseman. Um, yeah. I think Fitzgerald only had one on Friday. He, and Mietnan only had, a, I think, an assist on Friday, so I don't think he did. Did, did any forward? Kyler Kupka. Really? And he played well. Tyler Kupka had had a goal and four assists on the weekend. So yeah, it's uh, yeah he had that nice pass. Uh, they had like a three on one. He got the second pass and then he dished it off to either Miller or Cheryl, I think. Um, again, nineteen goals on the weekend. It's hard to remember all all of them clearly. Uh, clearly. But uh, yeah, that's I, I I'm gonna give us the credit there returning Kupka around because we called him on the mat earlier in the year and pretty much since then he's been uh deserving of of that top I mean, line I or... mean you're not wrong I mean I I rolled my eyes when uh St. Cloud State pulls the goalie and he's the one that jumps over the boards and and sure enough he shows up with five points probably the quietest five points that I've seen this side of Newell I mean Newell would have weekends like that um a- as well so and, you know, uh, I, I love me Newell. You know, Newell was probably, you know, I know I'm in the minority. He's probably on my Ru- Mount Rushmore of favorite hockey players that, that stands out. But it's, yeah. So, actually, because of that, and, you know, that goes to, you know, he really found a home, I think, with that line with Micah and Fitzgerald. Um, You know, going into our Go Huskies Woo player of the weekend, mine is actually going to be Kupka for just the solid all-around play and the five points on the weekend, um, including uh, the the shorthanded goal there on, or the yeah the the five on, or the three on five goal there 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 on Friday. So uh, that that's my pick. Uh, what would what would you say would be your player of the weekend at this point? I mean, throw a dart. I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lambast you for picking really anyone because it, it could be anyone. I can't remember if I've picked Perbix before. I know that I've talked about wanting to pick him, but I have someone should keep track of the players of the week uh, just for us. Put it on a Google Sheets. So, yeah. But I'll take Perbix. I mean, he, he break the record, uh, conference record, six, point, six points uh, for, a, for a defenseman in a game. Pretty unprecedented these days, um, and uh, or any any era for that matter. So, and uh, And his defense back end was was great as well so so I, I, yeah I'll, maybe that's uh, the easy choice but i'll perfect uh pearson would have been a good point pick too i mean he yeah. was uh he was, he, a, he was a good player he was one of the, the better huskies. players for the huskies yeah so, uh go huskies woo uh hashtag sponsored hashtag ad um he actually picked uh micah miller for his player of the week um just kind of the fact that you can put Micah in all situations is um, just kind of set, set him apart. And again, on his shorthanded goal, I do not understand how teams are not respecting Micah Miller's speed. And it seems like every game he's 
he's caught a defender flat foot and, and he gets a really good opportunity. And, you know, it's no surprise that he has three shorthanded goals on the year and, and whatnot. We didn't even get to the power play. How that, you know, we were, what, four for five on the power play as well? Same old, same old. It was, keeping yeah, keeping pace there. I mean, that's, Keep that's nothing, nothing unusual leading the country still with a 30, what, 5% power play. It's ridiculous. So that kind of goes without saying at this point. But but also with the shorthanded goals quick, it's we're, we're still at a uh, penalty kill of 80, 87%. And, you know, usually when you're high on the shorthanded, you're taking a lot of chances or whatnot. I don't, I mean, that I don't see us taking a lot of chances. We just have the opportunity. We utilize our speed and boom, back of the net. It's, it's, it's remarkable to what uh, the penalty kill is doing. And they've got to, they've got to lead the country or be very close to the most shorthanded goals, right? I want, I, I, I'd like to see the percentage of, like a power play percentage. What's the shorthanded scoring percentage? Uh, because I, mean, I, I did the math midway through Saturday's game, and I think I came with eleven point two percent, which is insane. I bet, and, I bet there's a team that has a le- a, a, a lower percentage power play. I think there were four crazy, but I don't know about Yale's statistic because it said Yale only had one power play goal. Like their percentage was like 1.9 or something like that. I was like, that you kind of accidentally score a power play goal, right? Yale is very bad. It's possible. I don't, I don't trust hockey stats nearly as much without, you know, college hockey stats. But still, I mean, that's yeah, insane. They, that. they say 1.7% for Yale, 7.4% for St. Lawrence, and 11.1% for Connecticut. I mean, even... And then you got Sacred Heart at 116 so we're coming for them. Yeah, I mean, college hockey, what, average power plays 15 to 20%, probably? To have a shorthanded scoring percentage in the double digits uh, is... is uh, extremely i can't imagine, extremely rare so that's uh and like you said because the they're not giving up power play goals on that end either it's not really balancing out with a bad penalty kill but you have a lot of shorthanded goals it's you're doing you're killing the penalties and you're scoring on those penalties so not necessarily a sustainable stat uh generally i mean but the way that they're doing it it's uh working like a charm so yeah, keep that up eight Eight shorthanded goals for St. Cloud. Uh, six uh, is the next. Two teams are at six with Canisius and Ferris State. Incredibly random. Yeah, right. But yeah, we'll take it. Uh, shorthanded uh, Kings. So, you know, sitting here, I ran a Twitter poll, um, you know, with, you know, which team is worse, this Miami team or the 15-16 Colorado College Tigers. Uh, which I think take the cake as of right now to being the worst teams um, in, in the NCHC. And it's, I, I don't know. It's, it's a toss up really between the two. Cause I think re- recency bias is going to make me lean towards this. But, you know, if I, if I remember, you know, we blow out one game and one game is close and that's usually what happens. And I think that's what happened against CC that year as well. So I, you know, well, that's kind of where where I'm at. So it's probably the recency that's why I'm going to say Miami. 
just because it was under domination and everything, but God, that CC team was bad. Too. Well, I, I think I, I started the conversation texting them, thinking, is this the worst team in the conference history? And you're like, those CC, a couple of those CC teams were god awful. So I did go into it, and I think either, either 14 15 and then 15 16, maybe it was 16 17. They had two years in a row there, and 15 16 was one of them, that they only had six wins all year. And I think between the two of them, that that 15-16 team, 6-29-1, and they had 17 losses by three goals or more. That's that's impressive from a non-impressive standpoint. Funny thing there was that team beat St. Cloud in St. Right, Cloud. They beat St. Cloud. And yeah. that was St. Cloud's 30-win season. Uh, remember that game being very disappointed. I think that St. Cloud only beat them 2-1, to one, the before so that was a, a a weird series but then st cloud handled pretty well out in colorado springs there was a nine to three game there in in cc but i think as you said i think one the other game was relatively close even though i know the shot totals that weekend they had 50 shots per game so those were very bad cc teams miami's got a chance i mean if they lose out which i don't think is all that out of the out of out of question. I mean, they do play CC again. They do play Miami again. Miami's the only, or uh, Omaha again. Uh, Omaha being the only conference team that they've beat so far this year. A lot of times you see this, especially with bad teams. You remember like the uh, late Garden Hire era twins. August and September would be <laughs> just pathetic. So you, you might, it, it's possible that you get to this point in the season where it ain't happening and we're counting down the days where we don't have to do this anymore. It's very possible that they, I mean, they got Denver this weekend. <laughs> they ain't winning those, any of those games. Um, and I don't see them, even if they do, I don't see them getting more than let's say two wins the rest of the way. So they could still be with, you know, still have something like six wins, like those CC teams. Depends on how lopsided these scores are. If they put in efforts like they did this weekend, I think they're going to be a true contender for that dubious title. But whether or not they're the worst team uh, of the conference or not, I think it is worthy to to mention or maybe to speculate just how bad this got them. And that was what I was thinking about. Yeah. Uh, especially towards the end of the, you know, I was kind of frankly a little bit bored with the game on Saturday just because it was, was so uncompetitive uh, it's almost like playing a d3 team to think that you know, miami came into the conference i i think on a, a long string of consecutive seasons making the tournament uh and you know was a minute away from winning a national title uh, fairly shortly before that and but yeah how does how does this happen with programs and you know you can say the same thing about cc is they were pretty much a national power coming into the conference and that that went away very quickly. Um, Miami did make the tournament the second year. CC is the only team in the conference not to make the tournament at all since the NCHC started. So at least Miami has one season where they can point to where things went well. But, you know, it's it's one of those lessons that, you know, you can be a, a powerhouse program for a number of years, 10 plus years, even more. Look at teams like New Hampshire or or Maine out east or Michigan State. Um, these teams, you know, 
were every year expected to make the tournament for 10 to 20 years in those cases uh, were always good teams. And pretty much in the last 10 years, they've, they've all been sort of doormats become doormats. Uh, and that, that's why I, I want to remind Husky fans too. It's like anything like that can happen to the Huskies at any given right. time. So to, to ring your fist or shake your fist when, you know, you had a below average weekend or anything along those lines, it's like a lot worse things can happen. And very quickly, just, just as you're talking about with Miami. Yeah. And I, so I am trying to think of like what exactly happened and, and, you know, there's been, you know, talking about like conference realignment and there's rumors that it's Miami and Western feel outsiderish in the conference and Miami in particular feels uncomfortable, which I don't think they have much of a rationale uh, to complain that much because they were one of the six original teams to form the conference. They were the only CCHA member at that time to form, to, to split away from their conference and, and join the NCHC. Whereas Western, like C- or like St. Cloud, was the afterthought addition, which I still think we should play. We should play for a trophy. Yeah, like the afterthought yeah. trophy between the afterthoughts. There you between go. the Broncos and Huskies, we should come up with something like that. Uh, that's good. But whatever, you can make the case that from a recruiting standpoint, Miami is this outlier that you know, all, a lot of the conference is centered around. Minnesota area, upper Midwest for their recruiting. They're, you know, Miami is Southern Ohio. They're closer to Kentucky than they are Michigan even. So is there, is it a tough place to, to recruit to perhaps? I don't know. I mean, when, when Blasey was going well, his kind of bread and butter for recruiting is the Chicago area. That was a area that, you know, Notre Dame is also uh, heavy into recruiting from that area. You wonder if the conference shift, if that played any part of it. I just, I, I the, none of these, none of these possible explanations for how it got this bad really hold a lot of water to me when you compare them to Western Michigan, because them all, both being former CCHA yeah. members, uh, the fact that Western, and it took Western a couple of bad years at the beginning of the conference, those were some pretty ugly years for them as well, but. Uh, they've really righted the ship over the last four or five years and, and really are looking strong this year. And they have a lot of the same disadvantages, if not more, than Miami does. If you look at a f- facility standpoint, I would say Miami's got the edge there on Miami. Uh, Western's got one of the oldest barns in in uh, in college hockey, and I don't think it does. I mean, it's got charm, and it's, you know, cool student section, but I don't think it does a lot of good from a recruiting standpoint. Um, And Western being the only, you know, they're obviously bread and butter is, is Michigan for recruiting, but they're the only team in their conference that, uh, that is from Michigan. So kind of a tough sell there to Michigan, Michigan state in the same conference. And then you got a bunch of uh, Michigan teams, at CCHA from a stay at home standpoint, parents, all that kind of stuff. tougher for them to recruit the same thing though it's like you know western has been able to find a way here use the the prestige of the conference and whatever they're doing to to not only turn their program around and back into relevancy but really they're, they're threatening for a, a one seed this year tournament so 
I, so looking at Western success and Miami's failure, and I see a lot of the, a lot of overlap in, in the uh, challenges that, that they have to competing in the conference. I just don't really understand how Miami got to this point where it's just so bottomed out. And this is the third year of Bergeron being there. It's not like he's, he inherited such an empty cupboard situation from Blasi. Uh, and yeah, I just, I don't understand kind of how that happened. And as, as you said, maybe the lesson is for all programs. I mean, nothing is assured. There is really no such thing as, uh, you know, you're guaranteed of every year success. And you can look at the teams that have gone pear-shaped since, you know, in the last decade. We can also point to teams like Quinnipiac or even more recently UMass. I mean, these teams were afterthoughts and non-contenders for many years. Uh, but Quinnipiac in the last 10 years has been one of the best programs out east nationally. And UMass has, you know, national title to its... Uh, to its name uh, after many decades of being pretty terrible. Um, a lot of it comes down to a good coach. Um, that's a big key to a lot of it. Not saying that Bergeron can't be that guy, but I, I just didn't expect uh, just the level of non-competitiveness this weekend from Miami and, and uh, hoping that they can turn it around. You don't want to have a team like this in the conference. You know, you don't want to have a team that's just such a, a drag, uh, pairwise and all that. Um, I, I realize someone's got to be last place conference. Um, but there is a level of competitiveness that you, that you hope and expect. Uh, and so I do hope someone's got to be Velma. Right. Uh, I just, it's not like I really care if Miami is, is great again, but just from the standpoint of watching good hockey and, and being a fan of the conference in general, I hope that they can at least get it get it back to just being regular bad, not historically bad. End of rant. <laughs> well, also, you know, we can even name some of the big programs too, like Wisconsin, how they can go yeah. seemingly boom or bust every two years. You know, and they always have a pipeline of recruits that are like two times the national, you know, what everybody else does for recruiting. I mean, they over recruit more than any other team in college hockey, but they'll still have years where they're down and not really producing. You know, you know, this is one of those years where they're not that far removed from a Big Ten title. So it's, you know, that's just kind of the crazy thing and event, you know, and what's good for college hockey too, is that you do have this um, competitiveness and where, you know, the tide is raised for all programs where anybody can compete kind of in any specific year. So that's, um, it's really, really fun to see that. And, you know, just kind of remembering back at that mid, that mid, what, 2014, 2015, somewhere in there, Wisconsin had a really bad team as well. I think they only had like three or four Four wins. wins four win team i think yeah i'd have been i think that was eves last year yeah they really bottomed out too well we'll turn the page from miami uh north dakota coming up this weekend and i believe now i didn't listen to the coaches show um that uh i didn't listen to the coaches show 
that aired here uh, on, on Monday. So I don't know exactly when the uh, players are going to be leaving uh, for, for the Olympic and, and the coach and whatnot. So I don't, I'm going to assume that they're going to be in for this series. Uh, both um, obviously Henges and Perbix and uh, Sanderson for North Dakota. And uh, I, w- I would imagine then, you know, for the Denver series, obviously they're going to be gone. But it's, you know, this is a huge series here for, for, the, for, the, for the points, for the race, for, you know, really getting home ice. And, you know, we do still have an outside shot for the Penrose, but, you know, just, you know, making sure cracking the top four, I, th- I think, is going to be key. Um, if, if everybody is playing this weekend, really like St. Cloud's Chance, does, does Sanderson then just ride with, Larson, uh, like, do they, they they just board a plane there in 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 Grand Forks or Fargo? They got an airport. They can fly right out to right out to China. I don't know how that works. Yeah, it's possible. I bet they. I, yeah, I was under the impression that they were they were going to play this weekend. Everybody, all the Olympic players, and then it would be probably Monday, Tuesday of next week. Uh, yeah, because February first is next Tuesday. I think it'd be somewhere around then that they're going to take off. So maybe, yeah, maybe Sanderson hops on the bus, St. Cloud bus, and then they fly out to Minneapolis or something uh, on Monday, Tuesday, like that. But I, I'm expecting them to put play. A, put him right next to the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> That's his seat. Yeah. But yeah, I think a good time to play North Dakota. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I mean, so they've, they've lost four in a row. That doesn't happen too often in North Dakota land. Um, but, uh, so you got a little bit of a, a team reeling. So maybe it's a team that, you know, that's licking its wounds and you want to, you want to get your chops in, uh, uh, at the same time, maybe they're the pissed off team that needs to get off the mat. They're going to bring it extra this weekend. Pick your cliche. I think that seeing as that the series in St. Cloud, which yeah, you had mentioned earlier that that five to three game. I still God, that's that's the one game this year that I really circle as far as from a conference point standpoint. I think they really missed a chance there to. It would be so huge if that they would have won that game and swept that series. They have the chance to do that this they weekend. Sco- they scored seventeen seconds in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but they have a chance to do that this weekend. Uh, I, I think their chances of getting at least one uh, from North Dakota is good. Um, and I mean, North Dakota's—they got—they got a goal. They've got—I think it's—I think it's official now that they got goalie issues. Um, Helston started the game on Saturday after another kind of meh performance from Driscoll on Friday. His goals against is 88 and change. Uh, Driscoll, and so it's a chance that they could split time this weekend as well. Uh, Husky saw that Helston a little bit in that eight to one game, and were able to solve them. Pretty, they scored the last five on him, I believe, after old Driscoll. So they've been able to score on their goalies this year, eleven goals in the two games. Uh, and so I like the I like how Saint Cloud matches up to them. Now it's always. You know, tough to play up the, up at Grand Forks. That's never easy. But the way that the Huskies are rolling and the way that North Dakota's rolling, 
is a, I think a good time to see him up in Grand Forks. So I've I've got uh I've got high hopes for this weekend. I'm gonna go with a win plus, like at least one win, and then maybe go into overtime and pick up some points at least in the other game. What are you thinking? Yeah, I I like that prediction. It's you know obviously the X factor is going up to North Dakota, but they also got swept by Cornell. <laughs> I mean, Cornell was able to solve them up there. So it's it, it, it's just a massive series, and obviously it's a team I, I loathe with a passion. Uh, but you, you, you're looking, you know, we can go down the list here, and I just, I, I don't see where St. Cloud has a disadvantage. We're, we're better on special teams, both power play and penalty kill. We've got better goaltending. We're playing at a much better rate, um, at, you know, right now than, you know, when we first kind of matched up against each other. So it's, I, I, I just, I, I see this as I do, you know, a win plus. I think you're right. I think it's even going to be a win overtime win is kind of what I'm leaning and I think that's just going to send, you know, the North Dakota fan base into just an absolute tailspin. It's going to, and I, I'm just, I'm just going to eat some popcorn and just watch the mess because they're already at their wits end with, uh, with the goaltending situation that they've got going on right now. So, um, I, I think and, us, and when we're flying high, I think it's, it's just going to be more of the same. Yeah. And North Dakota, certainly not, uh, They've not cemented themselves in the pairwise. I mean, they're bubble team right now, thirteenth, I think, last time I checked. So, you know, a couple losses to St. Cloud's not going to hurt them that much, as far as because St. Cloud is a high team in pairwise. But you got to win games at some point. Uh, you're going to continue to drop uh, if you continue to lose. Uh, so, yeah, the yeah the panic button, panic meter is I'm sure rising already. Um, but uh, St. Cloud could do a lot to heighten that panic meter even more this weekend. And, and, it, and like you said, to, to move up in the conference standings. So they are three points behind Duluth right now, St. Cloud, and they do have two games in hand, 12. Everyone's played 12 in the conference, except St. Cloud's only got 10 and Miami's played 14. Uh, they've uh, played two extra games. Everybody. I'm getting less and less convinced that that game is going to be made up for that series. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I'm I just they had what CCHA and I I'm blanking on who the teams were that Northern uh, and Tech were canceled. Is that where you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, yeah, and they've already set a makeup date up. I mean, the fact that we've gone this long without a makeup date makes me think we're going to lean towards point well, percentage by the end of the day. And I wonder what the what that how that would happen then because it's a very good chance that these two teams are the 4-5. I would hate to have to decide who the home team is in such a series by not playing an even number of games. Like I said, I mean it's a two and a half hour drive from St. Cloud to Duluth, which I'm sure is roughly what it is between Houghton and Marquette, I've made that drive before. Humble break. It's possible that, you know, CCHA, that was the first time that they've had to do the 
canceling, you know, rescheduling games, and so they didn't have the the cluster F situation that the NCHC did there for a couple of weeks. I, I just don't, especially like they can't have it where they're just going to play two games in Duluth. They got to at least play the, a home and home there at the end of the year. They're gonna if they're not going to make up these two games. Um, I, I don't. I they should be able to. Yeah, it's going to take a couple of weeks. You're not going to. You're probably going to do two Tuesdays, which is what Tech and Northern are doing. They're splitting that over two weeks. Just do something like that. Uh, but yeah, the time is of the essence. That's the thing. And I, I bet you, St. Cloud's like, we'd rather play them when we have our full roster instead of the Olympic players. So you might be right. I th- it's it's the longer that they go without announcing that there's makeup dates the longer that we don't hear anything the, the less chance that, that series is even going to get made up okay fine but at least make those two games at the end of the year a home and home rather than giving to lose both those games because it's just got there's the possibility that those two games could make the difference between who's hosting a playoff series and, and uh, jockeying in the in the uh, conference standings i do hope they make them up but uh so they're two, they're two or three points behind Duluth and six points behind North Dakota, uh, St. Cloud is. So uh, chance if you take all six points this weekend to to tie uh, Dakota in conference standings, which would be nice. Um, you're going to have to make some sort of move like that in order to for the pairwise, which might be slipping away. I mean that's your nine points behind Denver at this point. Got a couple of games in hand, of course, but that's going to be tough to overcome that. You just want to, here's a shocker. You want to get as high as in the standings as you can. I don't, I mean, there's a possibility that could be St. Cloud. To this podcast. Could Takes be something like, like St. Cloud 5, Western 4. I don't want to go to Western. No. Um, and so getting in the top four is key. Uh, and this would be a big weekend uh, to, uh, towards, that, towards that goal. I'd be shocked if Western doesn't finish one or two. Yeah. I mean, as we said, they have that tough schedule, um, but I mean, they started that. Tough eh, everyone's schedule. got a tough schedule. Yeah. With I mean, they Denver. started that t- tough run of the schedule with weeping North Dakota. So, so far so good. And they, yeah, they just look like a team that Western's had some good teams in the past. This, this looks like a different. Yeah. East. Maybe it's that coach. He just, he's, he's got this like ice water in his veins. I think they they've got something special there um so yeah they're gonna be tough to to beat but the I mean, one solace Denver's great for, the one solace i think for north dakota is your next three series are all at home and not of that but it's you know obviously it's st cloud state but then it's omaha and colorado college so you've got some chances here even if you know you kind of uh, stumble against st cloud state again and, and continue, which obviously I hope is going to be what happens. You, you know, you do have your point to get, you do have your chance to make up some, some points there and get another 12. So it's, it's not all doom and gloom, but it comes to the point where, like you said, it's, you know, those pairwise points get more and more important here as the season goes on and one slip up against one of those teams i mean you're you're probably going to be down in the 15 16 range and out of the tournament so for north dakota yeah for north dakota yeah yeah 
yeah, of the uh, five teams that we think are going to get in, they're at this point the uh, the most uh, on the bubble, uh, the most. So yeah, the season's getting late for them soon, as they say. So they got to pick it up, but they can pick it up, or they they can't, or they don't need to. It's North Dakota, but I, I at the very at the very least, uh, this weekend they don't need to pick it up until after this weekend. Yeah. So I just did. Um the chn customizable and i just put one loss against omaha uh would drop them down to 15 yeah so. i mean losing to wet losing to western losing to denver i guess they don't play denver anymore losing to st cloud you're gonna drop maybe a couple of a couple of slots but it's the losing to the bad teams or the the lower teams that really i mean look at cornell they were up in 11 12 range lost to princeton they dropped down to 19, and even with them tying Quinnipiac, which was a pretty good result for them, Quinnipiac hasn't hasn't uh, dropped many games this year, or not one. Not yeah, they only have one loss this year. So even tying them, that didn't raise them too much. So I mean, the, the loss to Princeton was more impactful than the tie versus Quinnipiac. So one bad loss can really drop you, uh, and make you tumble in the pairwise. So. So yeah, was that a uh, was that a real was that a real loss or a fake loss? I don't I don't understand. Or what? I just I'm I'm I I love college hockey. Why do they do this? I I actually think I you mean Quinnipiac? Or the Cornell? Yeah, Cornell Quinnipiac. Cornell Cornell beat him in overtime. I again my my reaction my muscle memory is just to say that that's a tie because it basically is. It was an overtime win for them. Gotcha. So right. not a not a full uh, win. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there um, up at the Ralph uh, this weekend. But that's going to be uh, obviously a key series and one that uh, we're 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 going to be hyped for. Nope. Surprise! This one's not on NCHC or I'm sorry, CBS Sports. Uh, instead, they're gonna they're gonna go Omaha, Colorado College. So stay tuned for that barn burner. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. So um. Yeah, is uh, anything else that you kind of think of as we kind of wind things down, wrap things up? I don't know which which one you want to go with as Just we wind things of, down. A couple of notes uh, from national standpoint, or at least out east. Pretty shocked at the rise of Miramac. Won four games in a row. They swept uh, Providence, and then they swept Lowell the last two weekends, and they were vaulted up to 14 in the pairwise. Uh, you know, when we had our preview, you know, pick the field segment a couple weeks ago. Don't, don't, we, don't do it. Don't bring it oh, up. Well, just, I, just, I will bring it up for God. say how bad, how bad I, or how off I was on these teams. But <laughs> even we even brought up Miramac, and we at least I hand waved them away as I, they're not, they're not. But looking at their schedule coming up, they got ten games left. All of them are against teams under them in the pairwise. Now it's uh, they got. UConn, they got New Hampshire, Maine, who's got awful. Vermont, who I think is 59. Uh, three games against them. And then they got a couple against Northeastern at the end of the year. So, I mean, they if they win eight of those games, let's say, um, a good chance that they could be one of those teams in Hockey East. UMass Lowell and Northeastern, who we both picked, they have both dropped. And Northeastern's goalie, that Levi, was announced that he's going to be on Canada's Olympic team. He's going to be gone for a couple of weeks there for Northeastern. So I'm 
guessing they're going to be done. I picked BC. I don't think BC's won a game since I picked them, and they're getting their ass kicked now. They lost 8-2 to two against Notre Dame, 7-1 to one or something, or 7 nothing against Providence. They're, they're done. Pick a fork in them. So those, those are two terrible predictions from my end, but very surprised to see Miramac. Uh, you can see how winning games against teams above you in the pairwise can vault you because uh, they've been able to make a jump from about 30, 15, or 14 in the pairwise by beating both Providence uh, and uh, Lowell the last couple of weekends. So as long as they can take care of business against the lesser teams the rest of the way, Decent chance that Miramac is going to be in the field, which doesn't happen. I think they've only made the tournament once before. So it's kind of, it's nice to get some new blood uh, in the tournament. Um, I don't, so. I don't remember the pairwise being this volatile this late in the season. Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, even just this, this weekend against Lowell, I think Miramac started the weekend somewhere in the mid twenties and they, I think they jumped something close to 10 spots uh, on the weekend. Uh, and I think it's in that, I think the top 10, there's not a bunch of maneuvering around those top 10 teams. You know, teams will maybe move one place or two places in the, in those top 10 teams. But once we get past, you know, Minnesota, for instance, that's the, all the four seeds, let's say. That has been a blender all year. Like you said, it typically settles down the more games that, that they play, but uh, it's, and it, I'm saying as if Miramac is, is going to be in the tournament, very possible that they could, you know, the next couple weekends, they could lay an egg and they're back to 26 and some other team that we're not talking about takes their place. So it's far from settled. Uh, it won't be settled until after the conference tournaments. It's you know, the last weekend of the year. There's going to be a bunch of teams still have an opportunity to, to make it that, even from an at-large standpoint, not just the automatic berth. Um, and that's kind of that's part of the fun. And it's like, it keeps you checking the scores and seeing the, you know, checking the pairwise after the games. That's the fun part of this time of year. So yep, that's get, true. Used, get used to that. I was also, I did also want to make a note that AIC, we kind of both slept on and we didn't pick them in, in the, uh, as our team out of the Atlantic hockey, the automatic qualifier. Well, they're, uh, they've won 10 games in a row. And they are in 18th in pairwise right now. I mean, if they can continue beating up on Atlantic hockey teams, which is all they got the rest of the way, it's possible not only it's possible that they could get in as a not as just the automatic qualifier. Um, I still think they're going to need to win the tournament, their conference tournament, to get in. But it's possible that if if they do that, they end up as like the 13th team in pairwise rather than being automatically the 16th seed and playing the number one overall seed it's happened a couple of times uh air force did that a few years ago it was the year before they beat st cloud in the tournament sorry to bring that up uh, they beat western michigan oh yeah you're bringing up fair state you're bringing up aic like who else do you want to I bring know. up that beats St. Cloud in the tournament but I think that's it's happened twice in Atlantic hockey where they've had a team make the tournament that's not the autumn, the, the lowest seed. Niagara was also, uh, they were an at-large team, and they didn't win the conference tournament. That was the year that St. Cloud made their first Frozen Four. So Atlantic hockey got two teams in that year. Canisius won the conference title. 
conference title. So it's rare that that happens, but put a pin in AIC because they could sneak into top 15, not just the, uh, the last team, you know, the, the, the lowest seed as being the conference winner. So wanted to make a note of those two teams, uh, as far as out East still is sort of a unknown situation, you know, like Lowell and Eaton Northeastern, they're right on the bubble now too. Uh, Providence as well grouped up with them. So it's, uh, that fun time of year where it's, uh, it's volatile and, and things change from week to week and new teams emerge that we hadn't been thinking of. So keep an eye on some of those teams and uh, in, in their pairwise movements. The um, thing that kind of stuck out to me about AIC, uh, you know, they've got two or they've got a tie and an overtime loss to Quinnipiac early in the season. Um, and a lot of their wins as well, they're not blowout wins, they're close wins, which, you know, you can go one of two ways with that. Um, one is that this run of 10 is a little bit lucky because they're able to win three to two, four to two, you know, against air force or Canisius or whatnot. Uh, but the flip side of that is they're, they know how to close out or win in tight games. And I think when it comes to tournament time, that's more important is knowing that when it's crunch time that these teams, you know, that you're with a group of players that, you know, know how to win when, when the rubber meets the road, so to speak. So it's, you know, they, they, they started out really rough and now here, like I said, they're coming on, they're fairly easy schedule the rest of the way. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see where they shake out. Yeah, and they had a bunch of overtime losses earlier in the year. I think four at least. It, it still is weird to me that they're as high as they are because yeah, their best non-conference result is a tie against uh, Quinnipiac. They didn't. They, didn't, uh, they played uh, Providence. Uh, they played a number of these teams as part of the non-conference schedule. They didn't. They played UMass. They didn't win any of these games. They lost some in overtime, and then they tied a couple of times. Usually, a team like this, an Atlantic team that is kind of threatening to break into the pairwise, the real pairwise, they got a couple of big wins against you know, high pairwise teams, at least pairwise ending teams. All of their wins this year have been against their conference. So it's a little surprising to me that, that they're as high as they are, but that shows you that wins are really what counts in pairwise. Uh, yeah. doesn't even, sometimes it doesn't even matter the quality of the wins. If you have a lot of them, kind of how Arizona State was able to, to get in a couple of years or qualify a couple of years, is that they just racked up a bunch of wins. So, yeah, a little surprised that they're as high as they are, but uh, watch out for them uh, as we uh, wind down the stretch here. Um, had a couple of questions. Some of them we already addressed earlier. Uh, but yeah, uh, Red Army Omaha asked, "Why not twenty? Are the Huskies falling apart?" And I'm, you know, I asked the same thing. Sound the alarm. Uh, Sound the alarm. Yep, exactly. You know, and also, you know, the, you know, I guess just going back to this last weekend, I did uh, harp a little bit earlier in the, or in previous podcasts about how we're not doing enough even strength 
and you know just the team that's dominate even strength was just just awesome uh what should fans get for witnessing a five on three shorty <laughs> just i i don't know it's ugh, i i don't remember hockey always uh ends up uh amazing me in in some ways and just uh you know you think you see it all and then something like that happens and it's like wow yeah 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 speechless that's that's pretty much it oh by the way uh if um if you're someone who's not on twitter like i am i did set up a a gmail account if you want to email me a question or comments or feedback or anything like that and please do because i started this email account and i don't like i'm gonna get much email there so if you're interested in sending me an email and getting you know getting on the show asking a question whatnot it's huskies hockey podcast one word at gmail.com huskies hockey podcast at gmail.com so if you're bored send me an email and i'll email you back perfect sounds good and uh yeah question for the show Inbox is always open, apparently, now. So, yeah, right. love it. Uh, well, that about does her. So, uh, thank you for listening. Don't forget to, uh, you know, uh, give us a rating, give us a comment. All that is appreciated. Subscribe. Uh, send us information. Send us an email. You know, your, uh, you know where you're listening from, anything like that. So, yeah. we appreciate it. And uh, it means a lot that uh, people are willing uh, just to take you know our plus out of their out of their day and listen to us so thank you so much uh and uh, until next time go huskies Woo! Woo!